Part Four, Chapter Nine of A Key to Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Chapter Nine is the system of religion which is taught the slave the gospel the ladies of england in their letter to the ladies of america spoke in particular of the denial of the gospel to the slave this has been indignantly resented in this country and it has been claimed that the slaves do have the gospel communicated to them very extensively whoever reads mr charles c jones book on the religious instruction of the negroes will have no doubt of the following facts one that from year to year since the introduction of the negroes into this country various pious and benevolent individuals have made efforts for their spiritual welfare two that these efforts have increased from year to year three that the most extensive and important one came into being about the time mr jones book was written in the year eighteen forty two and extended to some degree through the united states the fairest development of it was probably in the state of georgia the sphere of mr jones immediate labor where the most gratifying results were witnessed a much very amiable and commendable christian feeling elicited on the part of masters four from time to time there have been prepared for the use of the slave catechisms hymns short sermons etc etc designed to be read to them by their masters are taught them orally five it will appear to any one who read mr jones book though written by a man who believed the system of slavery sanctioned by god it manifests a spirit of sincere and earnest benevolence and of devotedness to the cause he has undertaken which cannot be too highly appreciated it is a very painful and unpleasant task to express any qualifications or dissent with regard to efforts which have been undertaken in a good spirit and which have produced in many respects good results but in the reading of mr jones book in the study of his catechism and of various other catechisms and sermons which give an idea of the religious instruction of the slaves the writer has often been painfully impressed with the idea that however imbued and mingled with good it is not the true and pure gospel system which is given to the slave as far as the writer has been able to trace out what is communicated to him it amounts in substance to this that his master's authority over him and property in him to the full extent of the enactment of the slave law is recognized and sustained by the tremendous authority of god himself he is told that his master is god's overseer that he owes him a blind unconditional unlimited submission that he must not allow himself to grumble or fret or murmur at anything in his conduct and in case he does so that his murmuring is not against his master but against god he is taught that it is god's will that he should have nothing but labor and poverty in this world and that if he frets and grumbles at this he will get nothing by it in this life and be sent to hell forever in the next most vivid descriptions of hell with its torments its worms ever feeding and never dying are held up before him and he is told that this eternity of torture will be the result of insubordination here 
it is no wonder that a slaveholder once said to dr brisbane of cincinnati that religion had been worth more to him on his plantation than a wagon load of cowskins furthermore the slave is taught that to endeavor to evade his master by running away or to shelter or harbor a slave who has run away are sins which will expose him to the wrath of that omniscient being whose eyes are in every place as the slave is a movable and merchantable being liable as mr jones calmly remarks to all the vicissitudes of property this system of instruction one would think would be in something of a dilemma when it comes to inculcate the christian duties of the family state when mr jones takes a survey of the field previous to commencing his system of operations he tells us what we suppose every rational person must have foreseen that he finds among the negroes an utter demoralization upon this subject that polygamy is commonly practiced and that the marriage covenant has become a mere temporary union of interest profit or pleasure formed without reflection and dissolved without the slightest idea of guilt that this state of things is the necessary and legitimate result of the system of laws which these christian men have made and are still keeping up over their slaves any sensible person will perceive and one would think it an indispensable step to any system of religious instruction here that the negro should be placed in a situation where he can form a legal marriage and can adhere to it after it is formed but mr jones and his coadjutors commenced by declaring that it was not their intention to interfere in the slightest degree with the legal position of the slave we should have thought then that it would not have been possible if these masters intended to keep their slaves in the condition of chattels personal liable to a constant disruption of family ties that they could have the heart to teach them the strict morality of the gospel with regard to the marriage relation but so it is however if we examine mr jones catechism we shall find that the slave is made to repeat orally that one man can be the husband of but one woman and if during her lifetime he marries another god will punish him forever in hell suppose a conscientious woman instructed in mr jones catechism by the death of her master is thrown into the market for the division of the estate like many cases we may read of in the georgia papers every week she is torn from her husband and children and sold at the other end of the union never to meet them again and the new master commands her to take another husband what now is this woman to do if she take the husband according to her catechism she commits adultery and exposes herself to everlasting fire if she does not take him she disobeys her master who she has been taught is god's overseer and she is exposed to everlasting fire on that account and certainly she is exposed to horrible tortures here now we ask if the teaching that has involved this poor soul in such a labyrinth of horrors can be called the gospel is it the gospel is it glad tidings in any sense of the words in the same manner this catechism goes on to instruct parents to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the lord that they should guide counsel restrain and govern them again these teachers tell them that they should search the scriptures most earnestly diligently and continually at the same time declaring that it is not their intention to interfere with the laws which forbid their being taught to read 
searching the scriptures slaves are told means coming to the people who are willing to read them yes but if there be no one willing to do this what then any one whom this catechism has thus instructed is sold off to a plantation on red river like that where northrop lived no bible goes with him his christian instructors in their care not to interfere with his civil condition have deprived him of the power of reading and in this land of darkness his oral instruction is but a faded dream let any of us ask for what sum we would be deprived of all power of ever reading the bible for ourselves and made entirely dependent upon the reading of others especially if we were liable to fall into such hands as slaves are and then let us determine whether a system of religious instruction which begins by declaring that it has no intention to interfere with this cruel legal deprivation is the gospel the poor slave darkened blinded perplexed on every hand by the influences which the legal system has spread under his feet is furthermore strictly instructed in a perfect system of morality he must not even covet anything that is his master's he must not murmur or be discontented he must consider his master's interests as his own and be ready to sacrifice himself to them and this he must do as he is told not only to the good and gentle but also to the froward he must forgive all injuries and do exactly right under all perplexities thus is the obligation on his part expounded to him while his master's reciprocal obligations mean only to give him good houses clothes food etc etc leaving every master to determine for himself what is good in relation to these matters no wonder when such a system of utter injustice is justified to the negro by all the awful sanctions of religion that now and then a strong soul rises up against it we have known under a black skin shrewd minds unconquerable spirits whose indignant sense of justice no such representations could blind that mr jones has met such is evident for speaking of the trials of a missionary among them he says page one twenty seven he discovers deism skepticism universalism as already stated the various perversions of the gospel and all the strong objections against the truth of god objections which he may perhaps have considered peculiar only to the cultivated minds the ripe scholarship and profound intelligence of critics and philosophers extremes here meet on the natural and common ground of a darkened understanding and a hardened heart again in the truth annual report of the association of the religious instruction of negroes in liberty county georgia he says allow me to relate a fact which occurred in the spring of this year illustrative of the character and knowledge of the negroes at this time i was preaching to a large congregation on the epistle to philemon and when i insisted upon fidelity and obedience as christian virtues and servants and upon the authority of paul condemned the practice of running away one half of my audience deliberately walked off with themselves and those that remained looked anything but satisfied either with the preacher or his doctrine after dismission there was no small stir among them some solemnly declared that there was no such epistle in the bible others that it was not the gospel others that i preached to please masters others that they did not care if they ever heard me preach again pages twenty four twenty five 
lundy lane an intelligent fugitive who has published his memoirs says that on one occasion they the slaves were greatly delighted with a certain preacher until he told them that god had ordained and created them expressly to make slaves of he says that after that they all left him and went away because they thought with the jews this is a hard saying who can hear it in these remarks on the perversion of the gospel as presented to the slave we do not mean to imply that much that is excellent and valuable is not taught them we mean simply to assert that in so far as the system taught justifies the slave system so far necessarily it vitiates the fundamental ideas of justice and morality and so far as the obligations of the gospel are inculcated on the slave in their purity they bring him necessarily in conflict with the authority of the system as we have said before it is an attempt to harmonize light with darkness and christ with belial nor is such an attempt to be justified and tolerated because undertaken in the most amiable spirit by amiable men our admiration of some of the laborers who have conducted this system is very great so also is our admiration of many of the jesuit missionaries who have spread the roman catholic religion among our aboriginal tribes devotion and disinterestedness could be carried no further than some of both these classes of men have carried them but while our respect for these good men must not seduce us as protestants into an admiration of the system which they taught so our esteem for our southern brethren must not lead us to admit that a system which fully justifies the worst kind of spiritual and temporal despotism can properly represent the gospel of him who came to preach deliverance to the captives to prove that we have not misrepresented the style of instruction we will give some extracts from various sermons and discourses in the first place to show how explicitly religious teachers disclaim any attention of interfering in the legal relation see mr jones work page one fifty seven by law or custom they are excluded from the advantages of education and by consequence from the reading of the word of god and this immense mass of immortal beings is thrown for religious instruction upon oral communications entirely and upon whom upon their owners and their owners especially of late years claim to be the exclusive guardians of their religious instruction and the almoners of divine mercy towards them thus assuming the responsibility of their entire christianization all approaches to them from abroad are rigidly guarded against and no ministers are allowed to break to them the bread of life except such as have commended themselves to the affection and confidence of their owners i do not condemn this course of self-preservation on the part of our citizens i merely mention it to show their entire dependence upon ourselves in answering objections of masters to allowing the religious instruction of the negroes he supposes the following objection and gives the following answer if we suffer our negroes to be instructed the tendency will be to change the civil relations of society as now constituted to which let it be replied that we separate entirely their religious and their civil condition and contend that one may be attended to without interfering with the other our principle is that laid down by the holy and just one render unto caesar the things which are caesar's and unto god the things which are god's 
and Christ and his apostles are our example. Did they deem it proper and consistent with the good order of society to preach the gospel to the servants? They did. In discharge of this duty, did they interfere with their civil condition? They did not. With regard to the description of heaven and the torments of hell, the following is from Mr. Jones' Catechism, pages 83, 91, 92. Question. Are there two places only spoken of in the Bible to which the souls of men go after death? Answer. Only two. Question. Which are they? Answer. Heaven and hell. Question. After the judgment is over, into what place do the righteous go? Answer. Into heaven. Question. What kind of place is heaven? Answer. A most glorious and happy place. Question. Shall the righteous in heaven have any more hunger, or thirst, or nakedness, or heat, or cold? Shall they have any more sin, or sorrow, or crying, or pain, or death? Answer. No. Question. Repeat. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Answer. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Question. Will heaven be their everlasting home? Answer. Yes. Question. And shall the righteous grow in knowledge and holiness and happiness forever and ever? Answer. Yes. Question. To what place should we wish to strive to go, more than to all other places? Answer. Heaven. Question. Into what places are the wicked to be cast? Answer. Into hell. Question. Repeat. The wicked shall be turned. Answer. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Question. What kind of place is hell? Answer. A place of dreadful torments. Question. What does it burn with? Answer. An everlasting fire. Question. Who are cast into hell besides wicked men? Answer. The devil and his angels. Question. What will the torments of hell make the wicked do? Answer. Weep and wail and gnash their teeth. Question. What did the rich man beg for when he was tormented in the flame? Answer. A drop of cold water to cool his tongue. Question. Will the wicked have any good thing in hell? The least comfort? The least relief from torment? Answer. No. Question. Will they ever come out of hell? Answer. No. Never. Question. Can any go from heaven to hell, or from hell to heaven? Answer. No. Question. What is fixed between heaven and hell? Answer. A great gulf. Question. What is the punishment of the wicked in hell called? Answer. Everlasting punishment. Question. Will this punishment make them better? Answer. No. Question. Repeat, it is a fearful thing. Answer, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands 
of the living God. Question. What is God said to be to the wicked? Answer. A consuming fire. Question. What place should we strive to escape from above all others? Answer. Hell. The Reverend Alex Glennie, rector at All Saints Parish, Waccamaw, South Carolina, has for several years been in the habit of preaching with express reference to slaves. In 1844, he published in Charleston a selection of these sermons under the title of Sermons Preached on Plantations to Congregations of Negroes. This book contains 26 sermons, and in 22 of them, there is either a more or less extended account or a reference to the eternal misery in hell as a motive to duty. He thus describes the Day of Judgment, Sermon 15, page 90. When all people shall be gathered before him, he shall separate them one from the other, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. That, my brethren, will be an awful time, when this separation shall be going on, when the holy angels at the command of the great judge shall be gathering together all the obedient followers of Christ, and be setting them on the right hand of the judgment seat, and shall place all the remainder on the left. Remember that each one of you must be present. Remember that the great judge can make no mistake, and that you shall be placed on one side or the other, according as in this world you have believed in and obeyed him or not. How full of joy and thanksgiving will you be, if you shall find yourself placed on the right hand. But how full of misery and despair, if the left shall be appointed as your portion. But what shall he say to the wicked on the left hand? To them he shall say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. He will tell them to depart. They did not, while here, seek him by repentance and faith. They did not obey him, and now he will drive them from him. He will call them cursed. Sermon 1, page 42. The death which is the wages of sin is this everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It is a fire which shall last forever, and the devil and his angels and all people who will not love and serve God shall be punished forever. The Bible says the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. The fire is not quenched, it never goes out. Their worm dieth not. Their punishment is spoken of as a worm, always feeding upon, but never consuming them. It never can stop. Concerning the absolute authority of the Master, take the following extract from Bishop Mead's sermon. Brooks, Slavery, pages 30, 31, 32. Having thus shown you the chief duties you owe to your great Master in heaven, I now come to lay before you the duties you owe to your masters and mistresses here upon earth and for this you have one general rule that you ought always to carry in your minds and that is to do all service for them as if you did it for god himself poor creatures you little consider when you are idle and neglectful of your master's business when you steal and waste and hurt any of their substance when you are saucy and impudent when you are telling them lies and deceiving them or when you prove stubborn and sullen and will not do the work you are set about without stripes and vexation. You do not consider. I say that what faults you are guilty of towards your masters and mistresses are faults done against God himself, who hath set your masters and mistresses over you in his own stead, 
and expects that you will do for them just as you would do for him and pray do not think that i want to deceive you when i tell you that your masters and mistresses are god's overseers and that if you are faulty towards them god himself will punish you severely for it in the next world unless you repent of it and strive to make amends by your faithfulness and diligence for the time to come for god himself hath declared the same now from this general rule namely that you are to do all service for your masters and mistresses as if you did it for god himself there arise several other rules of duty towards your masters and mistresses which i shall endeavour to lay out in order before you and in the first place you are to be obedient and subject to your masters in all things and christian ministers are commanded to exhort servants to be obedient unto their masters and to please them well in all things not answering them again or gainsaying you see how strictly god requires this of you that whatever your masters and mistresses order you to do you must set about it immediately and faithfully perform it without any disputing or grumbling and take care to please them well in all things and for your encouragement he tells you that he will reward you for it in heaven because while you are honestly and faithfully doing your master's business here you are serving your lord and master in heaven you see also that you are not to take any exceptions to the behavior of your masters and mistresses and that you are to be subject and obedient not only to such as are good and gentle and mild towards you but also to such as may be forward peevish and hard for you are not at liberty to choose your own masters but into whatever hands god hath been pleased to put you you must do your duty and god will reward you for it you are to be faithful and honest to your masters and mistresses not purloining or wasting their goods or substance but showing all good fidelity in all things do not your masters under god provide for you and how shall they be able to do this to feed and to clothe you unless you take honest care of everything that belongs to them remember that god requires this of you and if you are not afraid of suffering for it here you cannot escape the vengeance of almighty god who will judge between you and your masters and make you pay severely in the next world for all the injustice you do them here and though you could manage so cunningly as to escape the eyes and hands of man yet think what a dreadful thing it is to fall into the hands of the living god who is able to cast both soul and body into hell you are to serve your masters with cheerfulness reverence and humility you are to do your master's service with good will doing it as the will of god from the heart without any sauciness or answering again how many of you do things quite otherwise and instead of going about your work with a good will and a good heart dispute and grumble giving saucy answers and behave in a surly manner there is something so becoming and engaging in a modest cheerful good-natured behavior that a little work done in that manner seems better done and gives far more satisfaction than a great deal more that must be done with fretting vexation and the lash always held over you it also gains the good will and love of those you belong to and makes your own life pass with more ease and pleasure besides you are to consider that this grumbling and ill-will do not affect your masters and mistresses only they have ways and means in their hands of forcing you to do your work whether you are willing or not but your murmuring and grumbling is against god who hath placed you in that service 
who will punish you severely in the next world for despising his commands a very awful query here occurs to the mind if the poor ignorant slave who wastes his master's temporal goods to answer some of his own present purposes be exposed to this heavy retribution what will become of those educated men who for their temporal convenience make and hold enforce laws which rob generation after generation of men not only of their daily earnings but of their rights and privileges as immortal beings the rev mr glenny in one of his sermons as quoted by mr bowditch page one hundred thirty seven assures his hearers that none of them will be able to say in the day of judgment i had no way of hearing about my good saviour bishop meade as quoted by brooke pages thirty four thirty five thus expiates to slaves on the advantages of their condition one would really think from reading this account that every one ought to make haste and get himself sold into slavery as the nearest road to heaven take care that you do not fret or murmur grumble or repine at your condition for this will not only make your life uneasy but will greatly offend almighty god consider that it is not yourselves it is not the people that you belong to it is not the men that have brought you to it but it is the will of god who hath by his providence made you servants because no doubt he knew that condition would be best for you in this world and help you be better towards heaven if you would but do your duty in it so that any discontent at your not being free or rich or great as you see some others is quarrelling with your heavenly master and finding fault with god himself who hath made you what you are and hath promised you as large a share in the kingdom of heaven as the greatest man alive if you will but behave yourself aright and do the business he hath set you about in this world honestly and cheerfully riches and power have proved the ruin of many an unhappy soul by drawing away the heart and affections from god and fixing them on mean and sinful enjoyments so that when god who knows our hearts better than we know them ourselves sees that they would be hurtful to us and therefore keeps them from us it is the greatest mercy and kindness he could show us you may perhaps fancy that if you had riches and freedom you could do your duty to god and man with greater pleasure than you can now but pray consider that if you can but save your souls through the mercy of god you will have spent your time to the best purposes in this world and he that at last can get to heaven has performed a noble journey let the road be ever so rugged and difficult besides you really have a great advantage over most white people who have not only the care of their daily labor upon their hands but the care of looking forward to providing necessaries for to-morrow and next day and of clothing and bringing up their children and of getting food and raiment for as many of you as belong to their families which often puts them to great difficulties and distracts their minds so as to break their rest and take off their thoughts from the affairs of another world whereas you are quite eased from all these cares and have nothing but your daily labor to look after and when that is done take your needful rest neither is it necessary for you to think of laying up anything against old age as white people are obliged to do for the laws of the country have provided that you shall not be turned off when you are past labor but shall be maintained while you live by those you belong to whether you are able to work or not bishop meade further consoles slaves thus for certain incidents of their lot 
for which they may think they have more reason to find fault than for most others the reader must admit that he takes a very philosophical view of the subject there is only one circumstance which may appear grievous that i shall now take notice of and that is correction now when correction is given you you either deserve it or you do not deserve it but whether you really deserve it or not it is your duty and almighty god requires that you bear it patiently you may perhaps think that this is hard doctrine but if you consider it right you must needs think otherwise of it suppose then that you deserve correction you cannot but say that it is just and right you should meet with it suppose you do not or at least you do not deserve so much or so severe a correction for the fault you have committed you perhaps have escaped a great many more and at last paid for all or suppose you are quite innocent of what is laid to your charge and suffer wrongfully in that particular thing is it not possible you may have done some other bad thing which was never discovered and that almighty god who saw you doing it would not let you escape without punishment one time or another and ought you not in such a case to give glory to him and be thankful that he would rather punish you in this life for your wickedness than destroy your souls for it in the next life but suppose even this was not the case a case hardly to be imagined and that you have by no means known or unknown deserved the correction you suffered there is this great comfort in it that if you bear it patiently and leave your cause in the hands of god he will reward you for it in heaven and the punishment you suffer unjustly here shall turn to your exceeding great glory hereafter that bishop meade has no high opinion of the present comforts of a life of slavery may be fairly inferred from the following remarks which he makes to slaves your own poorer circumstances in this life ought to put you particularly upon this and taking care of your souls for you cannot have the pleasures and enjoyments of this life like rich free people who have estates and money to lay out as they think fit if others will run the hazard of their souls they have a chance of getting wealth and power of heaping up riches and enjoying all the ease luxury and pleasure their hearts should long for but you can have none of these things so that if you sell your souls for the sake of what poor matters you can get in this world you have made a very foolish bargain indeed this information is certainly very explicit and to the point he continues almighty god hath been pleased to make you slaves here and to give you nothing but labor and poverty in this world which you are obliged to submit to as it is his will that it should be so and think within yourselves what a terrible thing it would be after all your labors and sufferings in this life to be turned into hell in the next life and after wearing out your bodies in service here to go into a far worse slavery when this is over and your poor souls be delivered over into the possession of the devil to become his slaves for ever in hell without any hope of ever getting free from it if therefore you would be god's freeman in heaven you must strive to be good and serve him here on earth your bodies you know are not your own they are at the disposal of those you belong to but your precious souls are still your own which nothing can take from you if it be not your own fault consider well then that if you lose your souls by leading idle wicked lives here you have got nothing by it in this world and you have lost your all in the next 
for your idleness and wickedness is generally found out and your bodies suffer for it here and what is far worse if you do not repent and amend your unhappy souls will suffer for it hereafter mr jones in that part of the work where he is obviating the objections of masters to the christian instruction of their slaves supposes the master to object thus you teach them that god is no respecter of persons that he hath made of one blood all nations of men thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you do ye even so to them what use let me ask would they make of these sentences from the gospel mr jones says let it be replied that the effect urged in the objection might result from imperfect and injudicious religious instruction indeed religious instruction may be communicated with the express design on the part of the instructor to produce the effect referred to instances of which have occurred but who will say that neglect of duty and insubordination are the legitimate effects of the gospel purely and sincerely imparted to servants has it not in all ages been viewed as the greatest civilizer of human race how mr jones would interpret the golden rule to the slave so as to justify the slave system we cannot possibly tell we can however give a specimen of the manner in which it has been interpreted in bishop mead's sermons page one hundred sixteen brooks slavery etc pages thirty two thirty three all things whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you do ye even so unto them that is do by all mankind just as you would desire they should do by you if you were in their place and they in yours now to suit this rule to your particular circumstances suppose you were masters and mistresses and had servants under you would you not desire that your servants do their business faithfully and honestly as well when your back is turned as while you were looking over them would you not expect that they should take notice of what you said to them that they should behave themselves with respect towards you and yours and be as careful of everything belonging to you as you would be yourselves your servants do therefore as you would wish to be done by and you will be both good servants to your masters and good servants to god who requires this of you and will reward you well for it if you do it for the sake of conscience in obedience to his commands the reverend teachers of such expositions of scripture do great injustice to the natural sense of their sable catechumens if they suppose them incapable of detecting such very shallow sophistry and of proving conclusively that it is poor rule that want work both ways some shrewd old patriarch of the stamp of those who rose up and went out at the exposition of the epistle of philemon and who show such great acuteness in bringing up objections against the truth of god such as would be thought peculiar to cultivated minds might perhaps if he dared reply to such an exposition of scripture in this way suppose you were a slave could not have a cent of your own earnings during your whole life could have no legal right to your wife and children could never send your children to school and had as you have told us nothing but labor and poverty in this life how would you like it would you not wish your christian master to set you free from this condition 
we submit to every one who is no respecter of persons whether this interpretation of sambo's is not as good as the bishop's and if not why not to us with our feelings and associations such discourses as these of bishop mead appear hard-hearted and unfeeling to the last degree we should however do great injustice to the character of the man if we suppose that they prove him to have been such they merely go to show how perfectly use may familiarize amiable and estimable men with a system of oppression till they shall have lost all consciousness of the wrong which it involves that bishop mead's reasonings did not thoroughly convince himself is evident from the fact that after all his representations of the superior advantages of slavery as a means of religious improvement he did at last emancipate his own slave but in addition to what has been said this whole system of religious instruction is darkened by one hideous shadow the slave trade what does the southern church do with her catechumens and communicants read the advertisements of southern newspapers and see in every city in the slave-raising states behold the depots kept constantly full of assorted negroes from the ages of ten to thirty in every slave-consuming state see the receiving houses whither these poor wrecks and remnants of families are constantly borne who preaches the gospel to the slave coffins who preaches the gospel to the slave prisons if we consider the tremendous extent of this internal trade if we read papers with columns of auction advertisements of human beings changing hands as freely as if they were dollar bills instead of human creatures we shall then realize how utterly all those influences of religious instruction must be nullified by leaving the subjects of them exposed to all the vicissitudes of property end of chapter nine is the system of religion which is taught the slave the gospel